Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, let me also welcome you on this first Sunday of June as we step into the summer months. A lot of folks will be in and out during the summer, including a group of our young people who are headed to Pine Springs here in just a bit. And so we pray for their week and we pray for summer travels. Uh, We pray that God will bless us uh, throughout this summer as we study together, as we gather with one another, and as we travel to other places as well. I want to begin from two directions this morning. One, as Sam mentioned, we're beginning a new sermon series today titled Living and Active. Uh, These words from Hebrews chapter 4. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and, and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before, uh, before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. And I want you to hear that language. Uh, The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is living and active, penetrating to the very core of our beings, judging and challenging the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. In a similar vein, the Apostle Paul reminded the young minister Timothy how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is powerful. Uh, Scripture is God-breathed, teaching us at times, rebuking and correcting us, training us in right living so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All of God's Scripture, all of Scripture is God-breathed. But I would remind us today that there are some Scriptures that are more important than others. And, And please stay with me. Every principle, every command from God is important, but there are certain principles that are more important. Uh, The text from the Gospels that we know well when Jesus is asked, so what's the greatest commandment in the law? He responds by saying, love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, there is a second principle, love your neighbor as yourself. And then you may remember that Jesus says, everything else hinges on those two principles. Whereas the gospel of Mark puts it, there is no commandment greater than these. And so if I were to ask you to identify three or four scriptures or three or four stories in scripture that are especially meaningful to you, that breathe life into you, I suspect that most of you could do that very thing. And so throughout the summer, under the umbrella of this theme, living and active, we're going to explore several texts from both the Old Testament and the New Testament that breathe life into us that encourage and challenge us in our daily lives. And because I'll be preaching most of these sermons, the texts are texts that breathe life into me. 
uh, that are especially meaningful to me. In fact, uh, this will be the last series of sermons that I will preach at Monterey. Uh, I haven't said much about my retirement since the announcement in January, but in recent conversations with the transition team of elders, we have identified uh, Sunday, September the 10th as my last official Sunday uh, to preach at Monterey. And so this series of sermons will explore texts that I find especially meaningful. And I pray that they are valuable to you as well. In fact, we're going to explore texts like the story of Joseph in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. Uh, that great Psalm 95, which is a call to worship. Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul describes the church as God's masterpiece. Acts chapter 15, that significant gathering in Jerusalem that reminds us that we're saved by the grace of God. Uh, Aaron Dawson will actually preach next Sunday, focusing on John 15, uh, the image that Jesus uses of the vine and branches. And then I'll explore a variety of these other texts that I've mentioned in the following weeks. And so, again, a variety of studies under the umbrella of living and active. A second direction, I'm going to begin the series today by exploring a text on prayer uh, that I find especially meaningful. And I do so also because our adult Bible classes will study prayer this summer, uh, primarily by exploring different prayers that are recorded in Scripture, a series titled Prayers of Life. Uh, I hope a reminder that one approach to praying to God is to actually pray the prayers that we find in Scripture. Uh, the word prayer is mentioned over 850 times in Scripture. Approximately 650 prayers are included. And so our adult classes will study prayers like the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33, Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel, uh, three of the Psalms, prayers that capture the full range of human emotions, the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, one of Paul's prayers of thanksgiving, how he typically begins most of his letters. Uh, for today, let me invite you to hear these words from Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. I'm going to hit the pause button for just a moment. Uh, the text translated in the NIV that I've just read from uh, uses uh, the phrase shameless audacity 
uh, to translate the word in the Greek text. It is the only time in the entire New Testament that the word is used, and many of our translations render the word in such a way that it is referring to the one who's doing the asking. And so your shameless audacity, your persistence. But many biblical scholars will argue that the word can just as well describe the one inside the house, the one who is receiving the request. And in that respect, it is a word that communicates the character of the one who's being asked. If that is the case, then as we talk about a translation to understanding that the parable is all about us asking God, then we continue to ask because of the very character of God, knowing that God loves and cares for us. And so Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And if you know the parallel in the Gospel of Matthew, you know in Matthew Jesus says the Father will give good things. In Luke's Gospel, the Father will give the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught numerous lessons on prayer. Uh, through his own prayer life, he taught his disciples the importance of spending time alone with the Father. And so periodically, the Gospels will tell us Jesus got up early in the morning and went out to a solitary place to pray. Through his parables, he taught them to be persistent in prayer. Think about the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18. Through his parables, he taught them to approach God with humility rather than pride. Think about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, also in Luke 18, who went up to the temple to pray. He taught his disciples to pray with pure motives, unlike the hypocrites who prayed to impress others. He taught them to approach God just as a son or a daughter approaches a father. However, the most familiar text in the New Testament where Jesus taught his disciples to pray is the text that I've read, and it's parallel in the Gospel of Matthew. Generally described as the Lord's Prayer, or the model prayer, again found in two of the Gospels with the wording just a little bit different in those two Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew, the prayer is part of the Sermon on the Mount and appears in a context where Jesus talks about proper motives in one's praying and giving and fasting. In Luke's gospel, the text we read just a moment ago, Jesus teaches the disciples this prayer in response to their request. Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Might I suggest every phrase of the prayer affirms what is central to the teaching of Jesus. Therefore, the prayer strikes at the very essence of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Beyond that, I would suggest this prayer is all about us absolutely surrendering to God 
It is a prayer that is all about our dependence on God, you and I giving up control. And I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we talk about Luke 11 this morning. Very briefly, think about the phrases in the prayer. Father, or our Father in heaven. How do you typically think of God? How do you typically identify God? Well, Scripture identifies God in a variety of ways. He is creator, shepherd, the holy one, master, king. But God is also our Father. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as a Father 14 times. But what is unique about Jesus is that He made the concept of Father central in His relationship with God. In fact, no Jew in Jesus' day would have thought about addressing God as my Father or our Father. But that is exactly how Jesus begins this prayer. Just as a child approaches a loving father, we also are able to approach our Father God in prayer. And He's our Father in heaven. Prayer doesn't begin with human beings at the center of the universe, but prayer begins by acknowledging a higher power, God in heaven, above and beyond. There's a God who lives and who's involved in our lives, a God who is our Father and who is in control. And so again, in that respect, the entire prayer is a prayer about who is in control. And again, I would encourage you to keep that thought in the back of your minds as we explore Luke 11. And so the prayer begins by identifying and acknowledging God for who He is, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. In the ancient world, names were often far more significant than they generally are in today's world. Parents often named a child because of unique circumstances or in an effort to dedicate the child to God. Or as you're aware, sometimes names were changed because of events in a person's life or because of directions that God was leading that person. And names also represented character. And so the name of God communicates the very character of God, Yahweh. I am who I am, the presence of God, the faithfulness of God, the eternal nature of God. But even beyond that, God's name, God's character begins with His holiness. And so our responsibility is to declare God's name as hallowed or holy, to carry God's name in holy ways, not just in the prayer that we offer, but in our speech, in our everyday lives. God, hallowed be your name. And again, we need to make it personal. Holy be your name in my life, in our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that phrase, we're asking God to help us establish the right priorities in our daily lives. Rather than this prayer just being a prayer that is voiced prior to a ball game or an event, it is a very personal prayer. If I'm praying it individually or if we're praying it together as a body of believers, it is a very personal prayer in which we ask God to rule and to reign in our lives. Concept of kingdom was the dominant theme 
in the preaching of Jesus. The word is used 37 times in Matthew, 14 times in Mark, 32 times in Luke. The central idea of kingdom is the idea of rule, of reign. And so the rule and the reign of God in our lives. And then in a similar vein, the will of God is a common theme in the gospel of John. I like to think of the phrase this way, and you've heard me pray it this way in the past. Father, may your kingdom come more fully. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, beginning with me, beginning with us. Give us today our daily bread. The Greek word that is translated bread here in Matthew and and in Luke only occurs here in the New Testament. And only once in Greek literature outside of of Scripture. It's a a word that refers to the necessities of life. Therefore, the prayer acknowledges to God that we cannot survive without the necessities. But even beyond that, we acknowledge our daily dependence upon God. God. God, give us today what we need in order to make it through today. That phrase may sound rather strange and foreign in a world of plenty. Give us today our daily bread and our refrigerators and freezers are full of food. But it is a, pra- it is a phrase that reminds us that we are dependent upon a gracious God for every piece of daily life. I think it's more than just daily food. For example, I'm dependent upon God for my emotional needs When I'm overwhelmed with stress or worry or fear, God, give me the strength I need today in this moment. Forgive us as we also have forgiven. Not only do we depend on God for daily food, but we need His ongoing forgiveness if we are to survive spiritually. And just as we need the forgiveness of our Father we are to extend forgiveness to others. In fact, did you catch the way Jesus worded the prayer? Maybe the most striking part, maybe the most challenging part of the prayer, Father, forgive us just as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Did you catch that? Forgive just as we have forgiven. And so how are we doing in that respect? Forgiveness, Jesus would remind us, is a way of life, a way of life that is often unknown in our world. But the person of prayer is the person who knows the gracious forgiveness of a loving God and who chooses to make forgiveness a way of life. And finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus reminds us that the world is not a playground, it's a battlefield. And so, Father, protect us, guide us. Don't allow us to be seduced by the tempter. Deliver us from the evil one. But I want to tie this together by saying a few things about the words and images and illustrations that Jesus uses following the prayer. And so this little little parable of going to a friend at midnight to borrow bread because another friend has come and you have nothing to give that friend. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. What, 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 what father 
would give his son a snake instead of a fish or a scorpion instead of an egg. And I'll begin by saying that prayer for me is not always easy. And that may sound strange coming from a preacher, but for me it's a whole lot easier to talk about prayer than many times it is to actually pray. I don't know about you, and so maybe the question is, do you ever struggle to pray? Or have you had seasons in your life when you found it difficult to pray? Or have you prayed again and again, and it seems like God doesn't hear you? You ask, you seek, you knock, but you feel like you don't receive, you don't find, the door isn't opened. You know, at one level, it's easy to say, well, God answers prayer in several ways. Sometimes He says, Yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says not now. But that may sound so simplistic when you're hurting badly, when you're struggling to pray, when the storms of life are overwhelming. Uh, Confession time for a moment, if you would allow me to be very personal. Uh, The current season in my life, the last 20 months or so, been the most challenging season in my life when it comes to prayer. I think most of you know that I experienced a freak accident in October 2021, leading to uh, the complete loss of vision in my right eye, leading to challenges with everyday life that I would have never imagined. And those first few days when the doctors were still unsure what might unfold, I prayed as fervently as I've ever prayed that God would restore my vision, and it didn't happen. And in the days and weeks and months that have followed, as I've tried to adapt to this new chapter in my life, I've struggled in so many ways. It may not be obvious to most of you. In fact, many of you have said you seem to be functioning just like you always have, and I'm grateful I come across in that way, but life is very difficult at times loss of vision that is constantly with me, the challenges of reading and functioning like I once did, the frustration of not being able to do certain things, the recognition that there are things that I had hoped to do in the future that I had hoped to do in retirement that I will not be able to do. And you don't know what that's like unless you walk in my shoes. And I don't know what your struggles are like unless I walk in your shoes. And so hear me clearly. I know I'm not the only one with physical challenges and other challenges in life. In fact, so many folks struggle with things much worse than my struggles. But for you and your struggles and for me in my struggles, those struggles are real. And I suspect if you're anything like me, there are moments because of those struggles when you struggle to pray. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. I've asked and I didn't receive. Let me invite the team to come ahead and join me. But I want you to hear me and I want you to hear me clearly. I keep coming back to words that I mentioned earlier. This prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and that he taught us is a prayer all about 
surrendering to God. You see, and most of you know this about me, I like to be in control. And I'm certainly not naive enough to believe that I've ever really been in control, but with my limited vision, there are so many areas in my life now where I have no control. And so I find myself daily praying, God, give me what I need today. God, help me not to do something stupid today. This model prayer that I've learned to pray more deeply these last several months than I've ever prayed it. This prayer of giving up control and acknowledging that God is the one who's sovereign. And hear me, church, God answers. Not always in the ways that I might want Him to. I desperately wish He would restore my vision. But he answers with a promise of his presence. In fact, again, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Holy Spirit who brings peace. The Holy Spirit who carries our burdens. The Holy Spirit who puts in, 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 in words what we cannot voice at times. Who reminds us that God is still at work even when the storms don't go away. And so for whatever it's worth, because this text is so meaningful to me, for what it's worth, let me simply invite you to pray that prayer and to pray it often. In those moments when it's difficult to pray, in those moments when we don't want to pray, in those moments when we feel like God is absent. And let me invite you even beyond that as we study together this, sun, this summer in our adult classes and as we look at those different prayers in Scripture that many times may lend themselves to us using those same words in prayer, we may just find ourselves identifying with those prayers. Prayers that capture the different seasons of life, that capture the full range of human emotions. I want to close this morning by inviting you to join me once more in praying this prayer. Sam led us earlier. And I want to close in the same way. I invite you to stand, if you would, with me. And this time, let me invite you to repeat the phrase after me. And so let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.